Our number two, the Pete Callender Show, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Alrighty, so the uh, Democratic Party and uh, their allies in the media are going to be running with this narrative on the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, here it is. And expect this, by the way, in North Carolina. This is one of the states targeted with this messaging. They're going to say, quote, this is the choice before the American people. This comes from a memo, by the way. This was uh, drafted by White House Communications Director Kate uh, Benningfield and Senior Advisor Anita Dunn. Which I always thought, it's kind of rude. You know, be polite. Call her Anita finished. Anyway, this is the... I'm sorry. Terrible, terrible pun. All right. This is the choice before the American people. The uh, President Biden and congressional Democrats taking on special interests for you and your family. Or congressional Republicans' extreme MAGA agenda that serves the wealthiest corporations and themselves. This is like sixth grade debate team garbage. This isn't even, I mean, really, this is your message? This is the messaging you're going with. Okay. The special interest messaging attempts to counter the narrative that Democrats are becoming the party of the economic elite. So in order to uh, convince people that they are not the party of the economic elite, they're going to tell you that it's the other party that's the party of the economic elite. It's totally not us, even though, like, everybody realizes that the Democrats are the Elysium party. You ever see the movie Elysium? Yeah, there's like the elites and they're up in some spaceships circling the planet because the planet, because of climate change, of course, because they destroyed all of the earth. And then they leave, you know, Matt Damon and all of the poors on the planet to work in the mines uh, to harvest all of the rare uh, earth minerals so they can all have their smartphones up in the spaceship. So uh, and, and so everybody wants to get up to Elysium. That's the spaceship. That's the Democrat Party. You got the. The people in the spaceship floating around like the space cadets coming up with all sorts of silly ideas. And then you get the people down at the very bottom uh, that are uh, extracting all of the the rare earth minerals. So this is the message that Democrats are running in swing states. Pennsylvania, Ohio, North Carolina. And these Democrats are already embracing the messaging in an effort to win back rural and working class votes that Democrats lost in 2020. So good luck with that. Not sure that's uh, not sure that's going to be the, the strategy to win everyone over when your Inflation Reduction Act calls for the hiring of, what, 87,000 IRS agents. I don't think that the rural and the working class folks, I don't think they associate hiring more IRS agents as working for the working poor, as that, like that's the populist thing to do. Hire more IRS folks. By the way, standard disclaimer here, as I always do. I love the IRS. I love everybody that works at the IRS. I'm sure they would never do anything bad. Anyway, the new taxes that are in this IRA, this in, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, that's actually a health care and a climate change and a tax reform bill, right? Um, or a tax hike bill, right? That's that. It's all of those things. See, that's what it's a, it's, hmm, maybe it's a trans IRA. 
See what I mean? You put trans on to anything as a prefix, and it just, it allows you to just, uh, you know, manipulate and contort the the main word into meaning whatever you need it to mean for any given sentence that you're using it in at any given moment. It really is brilliant. I mean, it, it's really not good for clear communications, but it does serve some valuable political and messaging purposes. All right. So the new taxes, get this, are going to fall more heavily across specific industries and parts of the country. The largest tax in the bill is called the book minimum tax, where they start taxing all of the books on your shelves. No, I'm kidding. It's Look, I'm not going to get into the tax policy. I'm not a CPA. Please do not rely on me for any kind of tax advice. But this is from the Daily Signal's Preston Brashers, who reports that the book minimum tax accounts for $222 billion of the more than half a trillion of expected new tax collections. The book minimum tax would hit manufacturing. That's the way to win back the working class. You go after their manufacturing jobs again. Oh, this is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. According to recent government estimates by the Joint Committee on Taxation, manufacturing is going to bear 49.7% of the book minimum tax burden, despite accounting for only about 11% of the economy. So it's taken up 50% of the burden. It's only 11% of the economy. More specifically, the nonpartisan committee estimated that 16% of the tax is going to fall on chemical manufacturers and Another 6.9% on transportation equipment manufacturers. Transportation equipment manufacturers. Transportation. Transportation. Cars. Car companies. Car manufacturers. Oh, this is brilliant. It really is. Oh, and they're throwing in like that big fat tax credit for electric vehicles. So, you know, that's the way you combat the high gas prices is you go out and drop 90K on a Tesla, obviously. Well, they're going to give you a, uh, well, I mean, yes, because obviously the best way to afford the gas that you cannot afford is to spend $90,000 on a new car. Obviously. I mean, duh. Well, you get the tax credit. Did you see Ford just jacked up the price of their EV trucks, which I think is an oxymoron. It's sort of like uh, jumbo shrimp, right? But their EV trucks is jacked the price coincidentally by Almost the exact amount of the rebate. <laughs> Just coincidence, I'm sure. Since the committee released the estimates, the Senate came in and made amendments to the legislation to try to reduce the manufacturer's share of the tax. But even using the conservative estimate, they're still going to bear at least two and a half times as much of the burden of the tax relative to the sector's size as a share of the economy. Oh, and get this, the best part, foreign manufacturers not subject to the new tax unless they have significant U.S. operations. So if you have a foreign manufacturer that sets up in America hiring American workers, then they would have to pay the tax. But if they don't set up in America and they just stay where they are, then they can avoid paying the tax and then they can just ship the cars in. So to remain globally competitive, U.S. manufacturers are going to face pressure to cut labor costs or scale back their U.S. operations. This would mean fewer jobs, lower wages in U.S. manufacturing. Care to take a guess which states are going to be hardest hit? Indiana, 
Wisconsin, Michigan, North Carolina, number four, at 17% of the economies of these states. That's the, uh, the biggest economic hit because they have, we have a large manufacturing base. Employment in the United States. So there are only three states that are going to get hit harder than North Carolina. Indiana, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Employment in U.S. manufacturing has actually dropped between 2000 and 2010. Dropped by about a third. Manufacturing jobs still remain below 2000 levels. We're still about 25% below where we were in the year 2000. And then there's a whole explanation of the book Minimum Tax. It's a parallel tax system imposed on mostly larger companies based on their financial statements or book income. And I think I'm just going to leave it there because I don't need to go into all of the accounting mechanisms that are uh, that are utilized. The key here is North Carolina manufacturing sector businesses are going to take it on the chin thanks to uh, – and small businesses already taking it on the chin uh, – also, manufacturers are going to take it on the chin. Thank you for the Climate Change Tax Reform uh, and Healthcare Inflation Reduction Act. Thank you, Democrats. Oh, and then there's the hiring of all of the uh, IRS agents. It's a long distance dedication. Liz Cheney. Keep on running. Oh, I kid. I kid, Liz. By the way, I don't want to alarm you, but uh, I believe this is one of the signs of the apocalypse that uh, Twitter for the desktop is down. So if you've been trying to tweet at me, I had to I had to go off. I had to go and get my smartphone out in order to get onto the, the Twitter so I apologize. I haven't seen anything. I can't even log in. I don't know. I, I thought at first, oh, they finally got me. But I don't think they got me because I can still see stuff on my Twitter feed that's coming in now. So it's on my app. It's on the mobile app. That still works. But apparently the desktop, uh, there are problems with Twitter and TweetDeck. Again, I'm not trying to alarm you. But we might have to, we might need to go, we might need to get the governor to, uh, to re-up the ED. The might, yeah. Drastic times, folks. The executive or the emergency declaration, by the way, is uh, coming to an end. Uh, it was part of the budget. So, no, I, I call it because, you know, I look, I mean, radio, we have limited amount of time. So I save time by instead of saying emergency declaration every single time, I just call it the governor's ED. Why? What? I did the same thing when he had the, the safer at home executive order and I was calling it the SHIO. This is what I, I, I am a language, I'm a linguistic influencer. Do I need to tell you about Votainer? Yeah, so after 888 days, today officially marks the end of North Carolina's COVID-19 state of emergency. (laughs) Governor Roy Cooper, a Democrat, Announced in July, the state of emergency would end on August 15th because of the uh, budget that he signed into law. And um, that was part of the uh, budget. And we were one of nine states that were still under some sort of state of emergency. 
I, all right, I'll go into more details on that. I got to get back to this IRS story, though. I apologize. I went down the rabbit hole here. Um, let me read this email quickly from Joseph. He says there are um, there are around 700 billionaires in America, so we need 87,000 new armed IRS agents and around 5 million rounds of ammo to go after them. Now they were always going to come after the general public, right? If you think right, I will explain all. First off. Not all of the 87,000 new IRS employees are going to be auditors. I think that's important. They did a big fact check. The AP did a fact check. And if you can't trust the AP to do a fact check. Okay. So they did a fact check. And I, I, will, I will agree that with their checking, with their fact checking, okay, a lot of the jobs uh, or a lot of the positions, uh, the hiring, they say is going to fill existing vacancies and people that are about to retire. Um, and so will it, will it increase the ranks of the IRS? Yes, but the AP is quick to point out it's not going to create a mob of armed auditors looking to harass middle-class taxpayers, as some Republicans are claiming. While experts say a corporate tax increase could directly burden the middle class claims that they will face higher taxes are not supported by what is in the legislation, says the AP. Again, all of this is predictive. Last year, before the bill emerged, the Treasury Department had proposed a plan to hire roughly 87,000 IRS employees over the next decade if it got the money. The IRS will be releasing final numbers for its hiring plans in the coming months. But those employees will not all be hired at the same time, so it's going to be a phased-in approach, you pouncing, seizing GOP monsters, okay? Stop the pouncing and the seizing, all right? We're going to phase these guys in. It's totally not the same. They're not all going to be hired at the same time, and they're not all going to be auditors. A lot of them are going to be replacing employees who are expected to quit or retire. The IRS currently has about 80,000 employees, including clerical workers, customer service representatives. Wait, whoa, way to, way to bury the headline there. The IRS has customer service representatives? That's, I'm kidding. I'm, all right, disclaimer. I love the IRS. Everybody that works there is fantastic. Okay. Um, the agency has lost about 50,000 employees over the past five years due to attrition. More than half of the employees who work in enforcement are currently eligible for retirement. So they're going to say uh, they're going to replace them all. That's the that's the idea. Budget cuts have diminished the ranks of enforcement staff, which fell roughly 30 percent since 2010. But again, I think the winning message here for Democrats to go with is we're hiring more IRS agents for the people. All right, so the AP, Associated Press, wants to disabuse you of any kind of idea that the Inflation Reduction Act is going to be administered uh, by a whole bunch of, or, or paid for by a whole bunch of new auditors that are going to just like, you know, fan out across America and just start shaking people down like they're the sheriff of Nottingham. By the way, just as an aside, I always point this out anytime I mention Robin Hood or the Sheriff of Nottingham, whatever, uh, or Disney. I always point out 
Robin Hood did not rob from the rich to give to the poor. He robbed from the government to give back to the people. One of the many ways, right, like the legends get twisted. Anyway, our friend David Harsani over at uh, The Federalist, he says the Democrats' new reconciliation bill isn't just going to be the largest ever expansion of a government agency. It's going to be the largest expansion of the domestic police state in American history. Only a statist could believe that a federal government, which already collects $4.1 trillion every year, or $12,300 per person, right, that somehow or another this government, this behemoth, needs 80 new battalions of new IRS cops. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre promised that the IRS would not engage in new audits of anybody making under $400,000. That is a claim she has no authority to make and could not possibly predict even if she did have that authority. Nothing in the bill limits the audits. He says, not long ago, Democrats passed the American Rescue Plan Act, or as I like to call it, the ARPA, and that changed tax code. So that mobile payment apps like Venmo and Cash App, uh, that they're now required to report transactions totaling more than $600 or more per year. Per year. So if you're given, what, 50 bucks a month to your kid or something via Venmo, that now becomes reportable via Venmo. I mean, now, think... The compliance cost aspect to that, right? You you now have, and I've dealt with this uh, on one of the platforms I'm on, a, a platform called Patreon, where all of a sudden we started, I, I had to start estimating how much of what I provide on that website is what kind of a service. And I had to estimate the value to people, which, of course, I pegged at somewhere around, you know, $6 million worth of value that I provide to every single person via Patreon. I thought that was, I thought that was fair. I mean, it's so hard to put a price tag on your own content created, you know? Anyway, poor and middle-class Americans are far more likely to do their own taxes, and so they are far more prone to making mistakes. And... Does it sound to you like when when you hear about this $600 per year uh, rule that now is reportable, does that sound like a party aiming fire exclusively at high-earning Americans? It does not to me. What else? In 2021, those making $25,000 or less, usually the young and the elderly, making under 25K, They were audited at a rate five times higher than everybody else. The wealthier you are, the more likely it is you can hire lawyers and accountants to work within the system. There aren't enough millionaires and billionaires in the world to keep a potential new 87,000 new IRS employees busy. Right? It just doesn't make sense. The bill strengthens the federal public sector union monopoly that funds Democrat political aspirations as well. Yeah, IRS and Treasury Department employees spent over 353,000 hours engaged in union activism. And their political action committee gives every single cent to Democrats. At least they did in 2019. 
You can imagine what another 87,000 employees would do for that effort. See, in the real world, laundering taxpayer funds through unions and then using them on political campaigns, that's called racketeering, but not when it's GovCo. It's a money laundering scam. Has been forever. North Carolina was built on this patronage system. The Democratic Party ran this state in this exact way for over a century. You only hire Democrats. You then extract money from them to fund political campaigns. You have them go vote for you. And then you give them pay raises from the taxpayer. And nowhere in that equation is the taxpayer actually represented at the bargaining table. This is why, like, I don't have any problem with unions. I mean, okay, well, I do have problems with unions. But private sector union, you want to organize, you want to have a private sector union, that's the right to assemble. You go right ahead and do that. Public sector unions? No. Because you're not negotiating with me. If I'm the taxpayer and I'm funding your salary, I don't get a seat at that table. You're negotiating with somebody you put at the table. And that's not really a negotiation. Well, it's a negotiation in the same sense that like Josh Stein and Mark Elias and the Board of Elections, like they negotiated their absentee uh, absentee ballot rules uh, for the last election. Like that kind of a collusive agreement, like that kind of negotiation, yes. It's not a legit, honest, good faith negotiation between parties with Potentially competing interests. I don't get a seat at the table. Also, it's worth remembering the IRS does not simply collect taxes. It also enforces speech codes. Everybody knows this, at least if you were paying attention in 2010, where if you tried to set up a, a, what, a 501c3 or a 501c4 with the name Patriot in the title? Or uh, Tea Party? In the title, your paperwork got slow rolled because that's what bureaucrats do. That's the, quote, deep state, right? That, that's the, bureauc- the bureaucracy acting in partisan fashion. And I remember one of the responses after the Tea Party was targeted by the IRS, a lowly field officer in Cincinnati, which was a lie, of course. It actually did come from the top, uh, from Lois Lerner, who then, of course, you know, smashed all of her phones in a completely legitimate way to dispose of government uh, property, right? You, you take a hammer, you bash them all, uh, and, uh, and then you wipe them, like, with the cloth. Um, they enforce speech codes because they slow roll your paperwork so then you don't get to work in the electoral cycle where you can have the most impact. And they didn't need a directive from Barack Obama to tell them to go do it. He told him to do it in his State of the Union speech, where he ripped into the Supreme Court sitting right in front of him over the Citizens United case. Message received. Go target these groups. Wrestling with an insanely complex tax code, it's nearly 8 million words at this point. It costs Americans billions of dollars every year. Rather than flattening and simplifying the astonishingly convoluted code, David Arsani writes, uh, it not only would have saved citizens, but the government money, but Democrats now decided... No, we needed up to another 87,000 people to enforce it. And here's the tell, by the way. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen had to issue a directive, don't audit people under 400K. Now, if it wasn't going to be directed towards the people under 400K, why would you need a directive telling them that? I don't know. To me, that's a logical question.
Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. We got Steve on the line. And uh, hey, Steve, what is going on? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Certainly. Hey, you you quoted the IRS earlier, and they, they said that these aren't really 87,000 additional employees. They're predominantly replacing those who are retiring and quitting, right? Or or they expect them to. Yeah. So if you're replacing people you've already got, you don't need extra money. That would be the logical conclusion, but this is government, Steve. So we yeah, shall we, we shall not apply said logic to this scenario. Yeah, with their history of lying, you would think they would be better at it. <laughs> That's right. Well, I mean, this uh, that was the AP's fact check that was relying on right. some Treasury Department. Um, do, do, do they say yeah? Treasury Department report uh, and Natasha Sarin, who is the Treasury Department's counselor for tax policy and implementation, she said that the agency has lost roughly 50,000 employees over the last five years due to attrition. They currently have about 80,000 employees. Uh, And so this is just, so, I mean, they're replacing uh, people that have left or are planning to leave, but also they had a whole bunch of people that have been, uh, that that have uh, left because of those evil Republicans after the 2010 election, they started cutting the IRS. Right. Well, because the IRS targeted conservatives. Well, if they have 80,000 now and they want to hire 87, then it must mean that they expect every one of their agents to leave. Right. And and then have 7,000 more. Right. So even if I just exactly. accept the premise that they have 80,000 currently on the books and that, well, no, this is just replacing them. All right. Well, let's say one for one. All 80,000 are out. New 87,000 are in. That's still 7,000 more. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. the call, Steve. But uh, you got to stop with the logic as applied to... Uh, uh, GovCo. So here's how you know the tell. Oh, and by the way, to that point, Brett sent an email here. It says, Pete, on the IRS, what makes sense to me is they want to target conservatives. We've seen it before. Right. I, I don't. That's the It's the same thing with Fauci and the, quote, noble lie where he told everybody don't wear masks because, you know, they don't really help. They're not effective. And then, of course, he changed his tune a couple of weeks or months later and said, oh, everybody get masks. Gotta have a mask mandate, mask policies, right? And he changed immediately. Why? Well, they said we wanted to preserve the uh, the PPE, right, the protective equipment for frontline workers. Okay. Now you can argue that the quote noble lie in this case served a greater good. Fine, I'll accept that premise. I don't agree with it, but I'll, let's just, for the sake of this argument, accept your premise that that is the noble lie, and it was worth it. But you don't get to keep your job afterwards because the problem with telling the noble lie is you still told the lie. Nobody can now trust you. That's the problem. Your credibility is gone. You don't get to then proceed as if nothing happened. The ramifications for telling the noble lie are still the same as if you had just told a lie. It's the same. You lied. You lost trust And that's the problem the IRS has, which, again, full uh, disclaimer here that I love the IRS. Everybody that works there is fantastic. I'm not I'm not in a position to go to the mat for the IRS because they haven't done it for a lot of Americans. And in fact, they targeted people in overt partisan ways. I'm old enough to remember it. It was only 11 years ago. 
And then this from CNN. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen directed the IRS not to use any of the new funding allocated in the Democrats' new health care and climate bill. See, there's that, there's that messaging conflict again. I will get to that because it's kind of key. This problem they're having of trying to decide how do we market, how do we brand the IRA, this Inflation Reduction Act? Is it inflation? Is it climate change? Is it health care? Is it everything? But they say, no, no, no. We're putting all this money into the IRS. We're going to increase the number of audits, but it's not going to go to, and don't you dare target anybody making less than $400,000 a year, according to a copy of the letter obtained exclusively by CNN. The letter to the IRS commissioner, Charles Reddick, comes amid attacks from Republicans, who are pouncing and seizing, that the $80 billion given to the IRS over the next 10 years would result in more middle-class Americans and small businesses getting audited. The Biden administration has repeatedly said that it would focus only on the the evil rich people, anybody making more than $400,000 a year. But here's here's the question. Why would she need to say that? Why would Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary, need to direct the IRS to do the thing that was supposed to be in the bill? Oh, and by the way, what happens after Biden is out of office? Because this thing is for 10 years, right? That's what this spending increase is going to be extended through 10 years. So what happens when there's a new IRS commissioner or a new Treasury secretary or a new president? Do they need to write another letter? And if they don't write another letter, do you go back to auditing everybody? I'm just not buying it. 